Welcome everyone to the 131st episode with your host Elias. So, in this great lineup I have for you today, I'm gonna go through a couple of things. For primary politics, we have Russia, and I didn't say I was gonna include more Africa and Latin American perspectives. Well, I'm doing that with the Ukraine war. Sadly, it hit a one-year milestone. These are not good milestones. The longer we're in this thing, the worse it's going to get. And I'm happy that more countries are pushing towards peace and end this madness. So we're talking about how the African as a continent is divided. You know, let's not go Sarah Palin here. Ah, Africa, I'll get back to you on that one. You know, well, she claimed that the African continent itself was a country. Yep, what a way to expose American ignorance. But anyways, Trump visits Ohio town chemical skip spill. That's at East Palestine, Ohio. Okay. And, and then, of course, Biden does the typical thing. Blames Trump for all of this. And Trump does the same kind of same thing vice versa but this is winning trump some political points i have to say because even if he can't do that physically because he's too busy prioritizing ukraine i mean we all know that unless you haven't been paying attention Pete Buttigieg should have took his place but that ain't happening and then biden remains tone deaf he's optimistic about economy despite despite price increases we are not done with the inflation. But you know, as a leader, you gotta portray some strength, even if it's nonsense. But this is not... You should say that we gotta get through this, bear with it, something like that. But no, that ain't happening. And then we have an opinion here by Jeremy Hurwitz. He's an opinion contributor of The Hill. And he says we can no longer ignore 21st China's 21st century colonialism. And he's damn right this i think we need to stop because we can't keep underestimating china we can't keep pushing this back it needs to be a high priority by i mean i'm sure military industrial complex is aware of this already predicted that by 2025 war is going to be imminent with china it could be wrong but there's a military industrial complex here knowing them they want the war it will increase profits those are your four items so for mid-game had a privilege to interview someone who's very experienced in in tech okay he's a silicon valley tech ai expert okay and i actually had the great privilege to interview him his name is alex fink he is the founder and creator of of the web and i've used it i actually quite like it it does it does give a grade a criteria for each news article i think is a great thing it doesn't ban it which is good it lets you know that it might have offensive speech which to me is fine you know some studies say it makes things worse i don't care well that person needs to grow up and deal with their um emotional health like i said i'm not the role model here because i had emotional problems before and i'm happy that through the grace of god i've overcame that okay and then my commitment to follow him more often Trust me, I'm not the perfect example because I still throw profanity, but I am molding into it. That's all I could say. I want to be honest. I don't be fake Christians because there's a lot of them already. And that's not a role to be envy of. Okay. And we're going to we're gonna get through that. It was a good interview. Give the attention to it. Just open your ears when it comes to envy. Okay. For weird topic finale. We only got two items here because that interview should be enough for you. 
and primary politics. We're going to talk about business trends and predictions, and one of them is pretty disturbing. 50% of people quit because of a bad manager. And here are the 10 most behaviors that workers hate the most. And they broke them down by men and women. The biggest one is playing favorites. Gonna get much more deeper than that. Um, for men and women, playing favorites is the one that really gets people agitated. Playing favorites. And both genders are equally guilty of this. Both of them. You know, it's not men bad, women victim, or vice versa. And then Gen Z women, for some reason, expect to make $6,200 less than their male counterparts after graduating. Well, I could give you one easy solution. Pick a career that will make you more money. All right? It's as simple as that. And yeah, let's make salaries transparent when you apply for the position. I totally agree with that. It may be a leftist position, but it's the one I agree with. I mean, why gotta do all the secrecies? That's why um, salary inequities are high in corporations based on what I was able to study and gather. And I personally encounter people who talked about this and I'm gonna get deeper into that. This is a little disturbing, but this is what happens when we promote victimhood abroad, okay? We should, what we should do is help victims, not spread it like an advertisement. So this is your lineup for the 131st episode and we'll reach the first segment really really soon right after our usual sponsor welcome to primary politics so with this russia ukraine war africa as a continent the group of nations remain pretty divided some even downright indecisive i don't blame them to some degree, they don't have direct stakes on this. I mean, if they want peace, they need to vocalize it. If the war benefits them. Well, I don't think they're going to be willing to just be that open about that. That's just my opinion. I mean, I would like to have someone who really studies African nations because, to be honest, it's one of the few fields in history that I feel pretty rusty in. So I'm sticking my neck out here, but I'm willing to learn. And I love history, so I will definitely grasp it. So, it's been a year, unfortunately, since Russia invaded Ukraine. That's a fact. If you say anything otherwise, that's real misinformation, disinformation. Okay. So, 30 countries, and more than just just two more last year, voted in favor of the UN General Resolution condemning Russia, supporting Ukraine of terror territorial integrity and call for peace. Madagascar and South Sudan, who have abstained to vote on the civil solution last year, voted with much the world that time. Morocco missed the 2022 vote, but cast a favor resolution on Thursday. African nations count for nearly half the abst- abstentions. Gabon changes votes for being in favor of it, to abstaining it. Their position is not aligned with Russia, West and western back to ukraine i mean russia has been russia been sending people to get them just to be in favor of the war but it looks like it hasn't been much dead at least not for the u.n and even Zelensky was doing his own political hustling with the ugandan counterpart yuari Meseveni. but he didn't do much he just said you're coming to me now 
I bet that was the reaction. I, all I could do is guess from there. Is he coming to me now for support? Piss off. I would have done the same thing. Is he coming to me now? Obviously, you didn't really think this through. You even think about including me now. You include me because you're desperate. I don't blame you, God, though. I kind of, I do, not kind of, I do think very similarly to that. I do. Nibia, Jill Body went there. They didn't budge. And Anthony Blinken, he makes sense sometimes. He says, not a flipping light switch. Of course, you can't just change thinking of nations overnight. Uh, yeah. He expressed optimism of South Africa, who's closely hurrying 10 days of military um, exercises with the U.S. rivals China Russia. Oh, that's his optimism. That's his perspective. It denied the war games. You know, and some African nations did have relationships with the Soviet Union. And when many African independently say supplies of military trade were key or fighting against the white minority rule and colonialism. And that's a good reason why they ain't budget. They do see Russia to some extent as an ally. Okay, and European, even America, so it's minor degree. But mostly Europeans, like the French especially, have done colonization there. I mean, we U.S. recently have heard reports that we returning so-so to, Ca to well, Cambodia is in Asia. We return so um, treasuries and artifacts to Yemen, which I think it's good. I mean, or do are we doing that for a political favor too? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to reduce and dilute the Russian and the Chinese influence over there. You know, and Nelson Mandela was at U.S. terror watches until 2008. And saying I recall, I never thought of him as a terrorist, but you know who was in charge at that time. Bush 43. U.S. did was much too sympathetic with the apartheid regime, so history does not get erased overnight. That's exactly right. Uh, Eritrea and Mali are really allied to Russia more openly. They were really isolated for the thing, but they found, you know, Russia, Russia, you know, they do what they need to do. You know, they want to build as much allies because, well, the sanctions we have, that America's been throwing at them, and of course, the, the Western Europe, especially. Like, come on. And there's countries that don't participate at all, like Senegal, Tanzania, Equatorial Guinea, Burkina Faso, Eswatini, Guinea Besu, and Cameroon didn't vote at all. The first three voted up to abstain. I mean, Africa is complicated as a continent. You know, not all of them is gonna think the same, but come on, I mean, I mean, within even the nation, there is gonna have different opinions. They got their reasons, they got their reasons. But it looks like Russia is getting the upper hand. So it's not good news, America needs to do better. We need to act more like a partner. Keep, I mean, it's good that we have Christian missionaries doing the work, helping out very poor communities. And we need to do more to put more of a political imprint in the mainstream African societies. I want to scout that. It's very good, too. It's very good. Christians should continue to do what they're doing. Unfortunately, that's not how it looks like at least the governments of Africa are really just saying, Oh, yeah, they're doing great there. They're going to say that we are spreading whitewash propaganda through God. Some of will get that suspicious. So let's get to this story that I say this is a big blunder on Biden. I mean, to me, uh, I would say Biden's best year was kind of last year. It's not, I'm not saying it's not saying much. He has passed some deep, I'll say very, very few decent policies, I believe. But other than that, it's not going to go so well. So East Palestine, Ohio. He has visit there. 
Of course, he's doing this as a political tactic. He's campaigning already, okay? He donated water, cleaning supplies, even bought a bunch of people McDonald's. And Ohioans were cheering. I mean, Trump did really well at that state. He did really, really well at that state. And some of them are saying, this is not for minors, so I'm gonna say the word, fuck Biden, Trump is my president. Need no agenda of that person, figure it out. See, link in the article if you wanna cheat. He's doing groundwork again, and who knows? You know, I think Trump's influence has definitely weakened. And then also in a way, I mean, a lot could happen between now and the end of 2024 for sure but covid so far is not such a you know these restrictions have is not such a big thing anymore so who knows and he's embracing mailing ballots he is changing his tune on that because that's all that was one of the things that crippled him too you know i mean it was stupid i criticized republicans no um you should jump in the bandwagon democrats and, and galvanize people to vote early i mean what are you doing i mean seriously what are you doing you, know, you act like the obsolete old party, the GOP. That's why you call the GOP the grand old party. He's getting support. And the worst part is, and I'm quoting this from Mark Dice here, because this is not my original source. He showed a video of a press secretary for Pete Buttigieg. All right, Pete Buttigieg is, my goodness, terrible. He's continued to do terrible. I mean, nothing, so far in my opinion, nothing great has come out of that guy. If you'll be downright honest, I put him in the same arena as Kamala Harris of being very terrible. Oh, and Biden, Biden too, but sad, sadly, Biden got a big name and he has way more experience than those two combined. You know, nostalgia, old Joe. And he only visited there for the first time after three weeks of that insanity. He has sore throats, respiratory problems. Yeah, if that spill is polluting the air. I thought Democrats also care about climate change and, you know, and environmentalism. Well, I guess that's just lip service. Ah, no surprise here. Hey, look, even some of the people. She's saying, I'm personally not a Trump fan like everybody else here. My own care shows up as long as they help, you see? He is, so far he is getting traction, to say the least, on people who are on the fence or neutral. And that's how you grow your base. Look, I say this is a slam dunk. This is more like a one-point Trump zero biden in terms of the year 2023 and trust me i don't give trump much points either and he's in ukraine i mean that's his priority that's his it started under his presidency and the rail industry has had a thousand theory of its per year but the reason why i pay attention is because chemical spills can, can have a lot of political traction and they complain about them about how their policies actually made things worse and buddha judge his press secretary wants to talk, but not for the cameras. Uh, what does press secretary mean, you idiot creature? Don't want to attack personally or those in the office because they forget or they act very privileged that they're kings and queens and they're part of the nobility. Uh, we players gotta suck it up and I mean, America's falling apart. This is a, this is a collapsing nation. Let's just be clear here. America was never perfect, but we are definitely getting worse. And then stay with Biden here. He continues to be tone deaf. He sees optimism, he sees optimism. Prices are really cooling down November, December, but it rolls back up again because yeah, he continues to send a lot of money to Ukraine. And of course, Joe Biden say he's ready for re-election. 
I knew it. Come on. People doubted me when I said that. I was always oh, any news sources saying that. Uh, no. Most people run for re-election. Some things are not gonna come out directly, people. I don't know. But the more I talk to certain co-workers, the more I've noticed how ignorant and how close-minded they are. They love their own Kool-Aid. And, you know, you can't help to recognize it. So, listen. Once I continue to talk to us, those got a brain. You don't have to agree with me necessarily, but at least contribute to a high level, high quality discussion. At least be curious. I'm not saying for you to agree with me. Trust me, it, it gets boring talking to people I agree with all the time. It, it gets boring people, talking to people who disagree with is interesting. At least learn something. All right, whatever. Enough of me ranting. Fourth final item. Uh, we have an interesting opinion about Jeremy Hurwitz, an, opi an opinion contributor. Uh, so... In 1999, the Tibetan Pittsburgh Shrine was part of pop cultures. You know, this is where we used to fight for freedom. I mean, we still kind of do for the countries, but I'm more in the camp of really self-determination of the nation, of all nations. I don't want to sound like a rapper now. I mean, China continued to do what they do. They continue to torture, kill off, and brainwash the Uyghur people and the Tibetans. They want to... They want to... Wash away their identity and be converted into Han Chinese, at least mentally. That's one half of the whole goal, and I think the other half is just a white dog. It could be 100% pure Han Chinese. You know, the world has subjected about to China's draconian measures, but hasn't made much of a difference. That hasn't done much. China continues to do what they do, uh, but they are declining. Economics are falling apart, their populations fall apart, and I'm not cheering for it. It's actually quite tragic, but that's what a lot of these authoritarian leaderships can do to get past crazy policies that would weaken economic growth and turn to a negative. And Taiwan has been independent for a while now. They wanted to want to stay independent. They consider themselves a nation. China doesn't. They say they're the rogue province of China. And they try to expand their global dominance, you know. And, and, you know, and I love it when some idiot activists say, China's not the enemy, climate changes. Those cause a lot of um, damage to the climate, you idiots, is China. They don't give a rat's ass about air quality and environmentalism. So how the hell are you going to tell me that, you idiot? It's idiotic. These whack these, uh, you know, we gotta stop listening to these whacktivists, to these people, because they're just spreading propaganda. They either really delusional, really believe they propagate it, or they know it's a lie and continue to spread it. Okay, they've been fighting with, and China's been fighting with India. I've been talking about that at the Ladakh border, East Ladakh, and that one got a bit hot already. They've been talking for a more peaceful rise. Was built on his own shoulders if he's by itself as a middle kingdom at the center of the earth, surrounded by barbarians. Yeah, they, you know, to some extent, China was had that superior complex kind of thing. As World War II says, probably the powerful Sir tribes that we should not look away for China's west. It's where been swallowed up. Tibetans, Uyghurs, and Taiwanese deserve to chart down the future. They deserve to live in freedom. Yeah, I don't argue with you with that, Jeremy Hartwood. It's just that much of the world is doing nothing about it. Okay, because we are afraid of a big war that's going to happen. So, they continue to be oppressed, persecuted, and executed. So, let's 
summarize all of this, alright? Let's just summarize all of this. Africa's a concert, they are abstaining for the most part. A few of them show support of the Ukraine-Russia war. Some of them do not. Some even some even aligned with Russia. I mean, the Soviet Union did have relations with the Africa you know, with many African nations. It's just hard to just wipe that away overnight. I do agree with Anthony Blinken. And despite both of them, it, you know, and Russia is not doing that all that much better. They just if I'm gonna give a, a score analogy, it's like America probably got one, Russia only got three, so it's not that big of a gap. But Russia is one upping us on this one. China forget is a whole other story. They dip trapping a lot of those nations. Only some of them have fought back against China with their depth trap thing, which is good. I say it's very, very good because they're using him. And then Donald Trump, even though he's showing leadership by helping those people, but he's also doing it with a political intent. Okay, he he's already campaigning, doing what he needs to do to put himself out there because he's ready. His his confirmed competitor is Nikki Haley. Rod DeSantis is speculative. Um, I don't think that much we are gonna run. And Rivik Ramsaswamy, probably pronounce that name. Yeah, he's the youngest competitor yet in the Republican ticket. And those are his two competitors, two Indian descent competitors. Okay, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna go all out again, like he did. Pretty similar to 2016, if not more. And these chemicals are damaging people. People are saying Trump's my president. Screw Biden. Biden's optimistic despite price increases. Yeah, he continues to be told deaf. We was, we, was, could, we was doing better at that. We was doing better at that, but now it's going back up. And then as China continues its um, aggressiveness, we need to be vigilant as Americans and as the world. We, thank God we have a lot of allies. We have Japan. We have the Philippines. We have green allies in Asia. And, um, Asia. I would say India in terms of the part with China and more allied with them and I'm happy that the Pakistanis are, are not fully with China like like they once were especially in the leadership of the Iran Khan so that part is good but we cannot underestimate the enemy because we do we are doomed to fail okay so with that out of the way we'll reach the second segment really really soon All right, let me introduce you to this guest here. And I, and the reason why I'm doing this introduction, originally I was against it, but since um, I've been informed that he's also doing the podcast, check out, his, ch- check out The Other Web. It's called The Other Web. Um, he's doing that. He already has seven episodes out. And I will ask him for the link. And I will be promoting that in the future. Hold me to it. Sometimes I say things and I don't do because so much stuff pops up. You know, I don't mind being hold to the fire. You know, I'm not like most people that gets upset every little thing. Who is um Alex Frank? So he has 15 years as a tech executive. He's from Soviet Union near the Moldovan region. And, you know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not an anti-immigrant kind of person. It's just I am my thing is, and I need to be very clear, is that I am I'm just against the process. Immigrants should definitely come to America, but I blame the government for not fixing the problem, making it worse. Not the people, not the immigrant. They're not the enemy. 
If I was an immigrant, I would just simply go to a country, you get your opportunities, and yet they act stupid and reckless. I just come in. I would have done the same thing. And we go what he does in depth. The other web is a kind of application that filters out the junk and put a information, uh, information version of a nutrition label for the brain, which I like this concept. And these articles that I handpicked was from the website. Yeah, and I hope you like it because I want to do my part to, at best, limit the spread of misinformation, disinformation. It's a problem. But sadly, people who preach it are normally the big spreaders of misinformation and disinformation. I'm sure many of you are aware of that. So with that out of the way, let's get right into this interview. All right, welcome to the second segment of Politically High Tech. This is the mid-game, and I call it mid-game. Ironically, we have dived deeper to technological issues or topics uh, because, you know, it's very important. It's shaping our culture uh, much faster than before, and I don't think we have a history or precedent just to refer to. All we have is science fiction, and what will, it, will the doom reality, um, you know, will, Will we suffer the similar consequences as Terminator, per se? Or something a little different? You know, we'll see. I have a guest here who could um, help us have a better understanding of AI. And um, he even has a product that I'm definitely interested in as well. But we're going to get deeper to that called the Other Web. Before I do that, let's talk. I want to give an introduction to this guest here. And I was actually very interested in him. Um, right away because artificial intelligence is the way I mean if you want to avoid it go live in the woods somewhere off the grid you know you could do that as well but um, I, I prefer to talk about the issue head on no matter how scary um, it is or exciting so miss so we have mr. Alexander I'm gonna say it full only once think and he is a Silicon Valley expat well, you got to definitely explain that to me because um, I know Silicon Valley, but not an expat who's using artificial intelligence to repair the broken information ecosystem. Pretty damn noble to me because we've bombarded with so much fake news. I'm going to add another jargon, junk news um, in social media, even the news sites itself, left wing, right wing, center. And all the other propaganda you hear um, through various, various um, digital sources. Um, either we get more information, but our decision-making capabilities, which I do agree with him. I'm quoting one of his articles. And the quality hasn't improved. It just it just hasn't. If anything, some, one could even debate it's gotten worse because we're just so bombarded, so overwhelmed with all this so much absorption of information without filtering out, without thinking critically and using our higher faculties just to filter out what the hell's going on? What's all this stuff that I'm listening to? You know, what's all of this? Is this true? What's fake? What's real? You know, we're going to get to that. He's giving us insights and practical tips that's applicable to all people, including the most techie, savviest people to the, and those who are not tech savvy. I consider myself more in the middle. I'm comfortable using technology, but I won't call myself a freaking um, Silicon Valley of expat. That's for sure. So we're going to talk about AI first and... And it's a very noble goal. Let's introduce Alex Fink. The, you're the creator of Founder Web. So he's the creator of, of the 
the creator of the other web. You know, so it's gonna be the other side of the web. That um, the goal is to filter out was a junk news, sensationalized, clickbait stuff. That okay, let let me come up with clickbait type right. Donald Trump dies. I'm sure a lot of people want to click on that. And then by the time you get to the article, it, it's nowhere near that. It was more like a light, you know, soldiers threatened his life and nothing really happened. I mean, that's a pretty good example for clickbait article. Donald Trump dies, capitalized, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. This brings some kind of sense of urgency, which obviously that's fake news because uh, he's still alive and well and campaigning and stuff. And sadly, certain people want him dead, that's for sure. Um, especially those on the far left side. Even though I'm, I'm not a right winger myself, but you know, or vice versa, if you want to put Joe Biden there, Joe Biden dies because he caught a brain aneurysm. Oh, that's something that uh, people that don't like Joe Biden, so those that want him dead. Also, oh, let's click on that. Oh, they really did happen. These things happen a lot and they've been going on for a long, long time. And before I get very, very long witted, um, the first question I have here for the other web, actually, let's do the promotion first. The other web, um, what differentiates that from the social media and the other news, um, digital outlets? So we actually just started from the idea of filtering junk out of the internet. That was step one. And before we had a platform that aggregates news itself, we just had a nutrition label for content, a way to look at an article and create some set of relatively well-defined data points that you can have about it. Just like with food, you know how much protein it has, how much fat it has, etc. We try to define things like what you mentioned. Is this a clickbait article? Well, we can define it pretty well. We can say a clickbait article is one in which the body of the article doesn't match the headline, and the headline is written in a way that attracts attention. So if you show the same article and headline to 10 people, they will generally agree on whether or not this is clickbait. So we created an AI-based filter to detect it itself. And we have about 20 of those. We created these labels for each article. And we basically created like a linear score from 0 to 100 on the article quality, going from Donald Trump dies to Wikipedia entries, right? That's the, the 0 to 100, roughly. Um, so after that, we decided, let's create a platform that aggregates as much content as we can from all over the web news commentary, podcasts, research studies, online courses, books, everything. And then we'll apply those same filters to what appears on the platform. We will filter the obvious junk out right away. And we'll try to give our users as many tools as possible to customize what they see and in what order they see it. So that's roughly what it is. The difference between that and social media is pretty obvious. Social media is optimizing for attention for making you click on stuff or share stuff. And if you don't like it later, it doesn't matter. You probably never got to later. You clicked on something else on the way, right? Whereas we're trying to optimize for giving you what you expressed as your long-term preference. If you say, I want 50 articles per day and I want all of them to be above this level of quality, that is exactly what we'll give you. The fact that you could be clicking on more stuff is not what we're optimizing for. We're trying to give you what you ask, which is kind of like what we have with food, right? If we just keep giving people cookies, they will eat the cookies. But if you ask them, what do you want to eat as your long-term diet? They're probably not going to tell you cookies every day. So we're trying to let people optimize their long-term diet. Oh, that's something I most definitely need to say reading 
10 articles about the same thing myself, and that could get draining at times, especially my busy um, life. I mean, that would definitely be helpful. I mean, you got my attention right away. Where I was like, oh, okay, this is something I could definitely use, and I won't have to fall. I mean, even with good research, you can still fall for these fake news and all that because they just get so much better and more sophisticated with um, you know, getting attention and a bunch of clicks and, and whatever, especially with deep fake um. Deep fake technology, which that's something that it that could be alarming and say, you know, and I don't mind if it used for pranks and stuff, but um, I'm sure people got sinister um intentions and they could use it just to try to um let's see, they probably could make me sound like they could probably put a statement that's completely false, but since it's coming out of my voice, generated by the AI, it could seem true, and the video could make it seem like it's um pretty true, and I'm sure it could get to that level. So that's my concern. Am I going to just freak out and just, I don't know, live in some kind of poor village away from America? Just just go to BC times and just use sticks and stones and all that? Just avoid that? No, I think that's crazy. But um, we need to um, embrace this um, kind of thing. So that's just, just my concern. Other web is definitely something I'm looking forward to. And you're not the first tech guest, but you're actually one of the few that I'm actually excited about initially because it's something I could personally use as a researcher, as a news political junkie, a historical junkie. I could get something good out of it. I could already see some value right away from me. And with some products, I had to look deeper into it. And sometimes some of these new products, they don't pan out. Um, you know, I'm not gonna bash on previous guests I got, but some of them didn't pan out for what I want. Um, you know, so all right, that's really, really good. I hope you pay attention to this, listeners, because there's something that could clean up junk news, junk data, junk articles that just makes you go crazy or make you irrational, not very smart. So just check this out. Give it a try. If you're tired of the Facebook, TikTok especially. I think they're the worst of them all so far. TikTok, Twitter. I've been bashing TikTok for years now. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them. You know, Twitter too. They got their issues. YouTube as well. I mean, they all got their issues. Let's just, let's just be clear. But I think TikTok is the worst offender with um, security concerns. Um but before I left to bash TikTok, and my listeners already know that, um, you already talked a little bit about the criteria. You use um, sometimes real people, I'm assuming, just to filter out and have the data, uh, have that, not the data, the AI automate that process? Well, so the way that AI is trained, in our case, it's mostly supervised, which means first we had humans annotate the data sets, and then the data sets were used to train AI to do basically what the humans did almost as well, but at scale, right? Because you can't have a human annotate 10,000 articles in a given day. And that's roughly how many we scrape, right? And so we start with humans annotating the first 10,000. Then we teach AI to kind of continue from where the humans left off. It's a little different from what you're hearing in the news with, let's say, ChatGPT, which is mostly unsupervised and trained on enormous amounts of data. So you can think of it as the difference of Letting your child wander around for years and learn everything that he or she can learn by themselves versus just taking them by the hand and saying, this is a dog, this is a cat, this is a dog, this is a cat. And after 10,000 times, they can tell the difference between a dog and a cat. So we use the later approach. Yeah, and that's, see, that's the approach I'm going to be agreeing on, more supervised approach, because so far you let 
these things out, you know, I mean, look, as much as I love, you know, the idea of freedom, not banning things, but we need to be careful. You know, freedom comes with responsibility. Some Americans forget that. <laughs> and to be, you know, to preserve freedoms, you got to be careful. And I will agree with the more supervised approach of the AI because ChatGPT, I generally like to think, but I do, you know, I do have some concerns with that. And sometimes it messes up. Um, I think there was one that already had a indirect violent statement i think it was the bing's ai to be more specific it was saying that oh, so i will harm invested 10 billion in chat gpt so it's the same ai that's the same also oh, okay so it's the same okay thank you for that correction yeah so so it's the same ai all right yeah they did yeah it'll make sense so it's the same ai and it's already saying look if you harm me first i'm gonna attack I don't know if that person was just trying just to provoke the AI or just trying to find cracks or something with his AI on logic. I don't know. That's a pretty good one to expose the AI unsupervised. Um, what's your opinion on that? So I think generally speaking, when you have a model that learns on all the content they've seen on the web, there's a lot of pretty bad content on the web. So that model likely learned a lot of bad things. So what you have typically in those deployments is they have this model that knows just how to respond to queries based on essentially predicting what the next word is and then predicting what the next word is and then predicting what the next word is. That is the level of logic that the model actually uses. And then what most of these companies do is they put some filtering layer on top of that model that tries to catch queries where the model might go wrong, right? And try to give you a politically correct response instead of giving you what the AI actually said or not even sending your query to the AI. And so what you're seeing with the moment ChatGPT was released is a lot of different people try to find those corner cases of where it might say something stupid. And there's an arms race between those people trying to hack at it and the actual open AI guys and the Bing guys now trying to add those filtering layers on top to try to catch the queries that will make AI go in a bad direction. Now, I think, that's one layer where we're seeing this arms race live. And typically this would happen inside a company. So you would miss this entire process, but because they released it for PR purposes, I guess, now it's happening out in the open. The second thing we're going to see, I think almost inevitably, is a copyright problem that appears in the exact same way. Because again, you can think of just a child that walked around the world and just memorized everything it saw it will occasionally give you things that look very much like the thing he saw, right? And which might be copyrighted. And so you saw this with CNET, where for two months they were publishing articles that were actually written by ChatGPT instead of the journalist whose name was on the article. The moment they told the world about it, it turned out that all of these articles were plagiarism, right? Because ChatGPT was just repeating an entire paragraph from other places. And so I think we will see, again, not the engine itself changing as much as just filtering layers on top appearing to try to now compare the output of the model to the training set or to other copyrighted material and trying to filter that out or make the model rewrite things in a way that is a little harder to distinguish. Now, you should consider that ChatGPT is still pretty amazing in the sense that if you give it a well-defined task where things cannot go wrong because the definition exists as a part of the text, it does things way better than anything that predates it, right? So a friend of mine was trying to read John Locke recently, which kind of 
connects to your political part of the podcast, right? And John Locke's pretty unreadable, right? But it just input entire paragraphs from John Locke. And with John Locke, a paragraph is a sentence, right? It's about the same thing. So they input the, the entire thing in the chat GPT and said, summarize this in simpler terms. And you got an exact perfect summary of what John Locke just said, but in a human readable sentence, right? So I think most humans can't understand John Locke. Chat GPT just did. So it's pretty good at these well-defined tasks of summarize something, something rewrite something. Um, tell me what are the five best restaurants in Portland based on you reading Yelp listing, right? All of these things, it does really well. The general questions, uh, I think it will need a bit more time. And even then, you still always need boundaries within which the tool is useful. And if you use the tool outside of its normal boundaries, outside of its scope of competence, you're going to get weird answers. I oh, know. Yeah, no, yeah let me just be very clear. I think it's a great. I think it's a great tool overall. It's just I tell. I try to look things ahead and see where this goes. I think that's what that's what triggers me to just be a bit of alarm. So this it is a great tool. I was playing with it a couple of times to see. Well, and I mean, I did like very basic general questions. I mean, it does an okay job. And it, I mean, to your point. I saw that it did well, and even um, what was what was this on um, Wharton School of Business? It did very well on answering, you know, great questions, whatever. I mean, it, it, the professor gave it a B, a B plus, or I think yeah, it was a B that that the ChatGPT got. I mean, when it comes to complex, um, the well-defined problem solving, it did well. But I think when it comes to certain critical thinking or generalized ambiguous academic questions uh you know it it could use some polish that's what the professor essentially um said and i said okay you know and, and you know i think students was trying to use this too just to cheat on the exams essentially or you know and i think well new york city public school banned it and seattle public school banned it i mean almost immediately when they found out that people that students just use a chat gpt just to create an essay the very last minute i mean all those students were smart to use that but you know it does it does um compromise academic um integrity of these students so i, I get that as well is like, hey, everyone a last minute potential a plus essay hey x chat gpt <laughs> there are other options actually so even if they manage to somehow ban access to chat gpt from school computers let's say I can go to copy.ai and generate an essay with any structure I want right now with the right keywords, with the right topic. It's done for bloggers, so they don't have to actually write their blog posts, right? But you have all of these options existing, and I think banning it long term will probably not work. And so these schools will need to probably change their actual testing methods and testing criteria because, I don't know. Maybe it has to be all verbal and with the professor in the room with the student. Otherwise, the test won't work. I mean, I'm I don't support the. I think the band at best is like a bandage sort of problem. You know, it's just poop, put it right there. It only solves the problem short term, and it gets useless. It dies out. You know, so I I I will agree with that. So, you know, and they trying to come up with something. I mean, but you know, these school systems are so obsolete. I don't expect them to ever catch up. <laughs> Let's just be real, and I've and I've been in the school system, so and they teach stuff that's pretty outdated to a great degree. Um, a good subject that they that I thought they would do well is history, but um, uh, but they leave a lot of things out because they think kids are, 
you know, dumb, and there's some truth to that, um, especially those who are not interested in history, but, you know, I could go on, I could go on about that, but I think that bad at best, it's a short-term solution at best. Long-term solution is just very ineffective. Yeah, I agree. They have to change their methods, and that's what I think. I think they're debating that. How can they change their methods um, to catch or make chat GPT's effectiveness um, reduced or something. I think that's some of the other discussions um, for sure on that. Especially I would, schools. If you don't mind, I can yeah, raise the discussion to a slightly higher level of abstraction too, which is if chat GPT can perform these things so well, and I'm sure the next generation will do even better, then are these things worth learning? If AI can do them better than humans at some point, or if it will do that, those things better than us very quickly, Maybe those are not the skills we should be developing in young humans right now, right? Essentially, I think we're getting very close to the point where if it can be taught, it's not worth learning because AI can be taught better, right? And so we should probably be focusing more on creativity or human-to-human -human communication or other things like this where we could excel, like maybe negotiation, maybe sales, right? We can think of what those things are, but anything that I can be taught to do, like write an essay, well, chances are that's going to be pretty useless a decade from now. Oh, I agree. It's, I mean, it's already being greatly challenged right now. I mean, the school systems are freaking out. <laughs> I mean, they are really freaking out. I mean, they may not admit it, but I could tell they freak it out, especially with these quick bans and having great, you know, intense discussions with oh, chat GPT. I'm, yeah, they're freaking out on um, internally, I'm sure. Um, rather they admit it to me or not, it doesn't matter. I know they're freaking out because this is something that they never... Um, I mean, they dealt plagiarism before, but they have an AI to it. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, they could do it better than a human being. I mean, most of the time, I mean, I have to agree. That's focus on creativity. I think human communication um, to some degree. I, I'm not even sure about critical thinking. I think the AI might not might it will um surpass us in critical thinking i'll probably give it by next year at this point by how advanced things are going and nobody i'll say oh, okay that probably two or five years no i'm giving it the slowest next year by early 2024 i'm sure it's gonna um i'll do us in critical thinking maybe okay. the best thing the, we the do thing with critical thinking is the, there's always the filtering layer at the end and with you selecting the answer that you want to hear Right. And so if you will have the right-wing AI and the left-wing AI, you at least get to choose which one you want to think for you. Therefore, you need to learn how to think for yourself anyway. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, that, that's a good counterpoint to that. I mean, I hope critical thinking is something that I want to, because that's one of the things I want to exercise. I mean, if these some, some of these things I do in the podcast get automatic, so be it. I will incorporate AI. I'll be happy. So I don't have to hire... Um, what is it? Probably, uh, you already said copy AI, uh, like a blogger or some translated into words. Uh, that's great. I don't got time to type a whole bunch of stuff. So that'll be great for me. Copy AI. So she want to translate to words for those who can't, I don't hear for some reason, but they can at least see the words. Does it include, um, certain populations into the podcast? Hey, it's good for me. I, you know, I, I'd rather incorporate the AI. You know, I just don't, you know, but the AI seems not to know the legal boundaries because it gets caught with copyright plagiarism, which that's obviously very, very problematic. Um, so, I mean, obviously AI got some learning to do. 
in terms of trying to avoid copyright um plagiarism for sure yeah because yeah i read that article about the scene that that they were that that the ai was the chat gpt was generated articles so there was even finding some factual errors that that that's what that's that's how i read the article and um, of course copyright um plagiarism too is like oof yeah i mean it may be smart and all that but it has access to copyright stuff so with the internet i mean as big as it is i mean it's pro it's gonna make those kind of well yeah mistakes in terms of you know in a legal perspective but you know i'm sure they're gonna update that they're gonna correct that it's just a matter of time it's a matter of when it's not an if it's a when kind of question that these things are gonna happen it's not if oh what if no 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 it's not what if when 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 yes i gotta start when is when is this gonna happen because this is you know we're heading that direction rather people want to put their heads you know bury their head in the sand that's up to you i'm not gonna do that um to each his own i'd rather incorporate ai to some of my um stuff than you know they just fight against it um entirely i just think it just needs to be heavily supervised you know that's it it's how it should be used is my concern not the ai itself so that that's all I want to say before um I get to the next question. Is anything else you want to add? No, I, I think that's you touched on the main point, which is we essentially have a new kitchen knife. We can use it to make a salad or to stab someone, right? And so we should just focus on making something useful with this new tool that we're developing. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to use it to summarize content effectively. We're using it to filter out the junk out of content effectively, things like that. Fabricating content. I'm sure somebody else will do it, but we're obviously not trying to focus on that part. Of it. Oh, no, yeah, no, I am not in the business of fabricating content. If anything, I'm trying to avoid using fabricated content. If I ever use fabricated content, just to show us example, look, this is the capability that this can be done. This is this is a bad example. That's the most I'll use it in that context. So other, than, other than that, I will not use that you know i mean obviously me is on the same side on that um you know we i don't know what group would cause more like the moral the, the the moralist of the ai um team instead of just those with the the ones who let the thing go on super called the wild wild west kind of ai people they just let it go wild to the most you know to a great extent you know i'm more of a control more kind of at least at least that's a cap that i'm in and hopefully i don't change um so so that brings me to the next question um how can we yeah i mean yeah i mean it's probably so ironic you correct the framing here how can we use ai to protect humanity from self-termination we all know when it goes buck wild alcohol goes self-termination i'm not gonna ask that kind of question well so there's a lot of different ways we can self-terminate right we've had nuclear weapons for a while now too so that's probably the most likely way we go out at this point the thing that actually led me into diving into this problem more deeply is that we've had something fairly similar to the kind of information revolution that we're having right now right we had the printing press in the 1430s and it was followed by inquisitions, witch hunts, and 52 religious wars all over Europe, right? And I'm thinking if we're going to repeat that same exercise now because of the internet democratizing publishing in the exact same way that the printing press has, right? Um, this time we have nukes, so it's probably not going to end well. So my attempt, and right now there's now a bunch of people coalescing around me and trying to help me with this, is that we create ways to help humans sift through the junk 
faster this time. Last time it took us 200 years to figure out the scientific method, peer review, all of these different things that we developed to get from printing press to enlightenment, right? At this point, we have the equivalent of the printing press, something that changes the world in, the, in a very similar way. But right now we're still in this period of witch hunts, essentially. And so I think the only thing that can handle the amount of information that we are producing right now has to be artificial intelligence because humans can't go through every single piece of written content generated on the web right now. And even if, if we do, how do you trust the human that went over it, right? And so because you don't know what's in their brain, did they filter it correctly according to the same rules? Are they having a bad day and therefore just not performing their best? Or do they have a hidden agenda? Right. The benefit of software is A, it's infinitely scalable. You can actually apply it to every single piece of content. And B, you can open the source. And you can say, here's what I'm doing. And if you trust it, then you can follow the outputs. So this is what we're doing. We're making all our models and data sets source available because we think this has to be the future. You cannot trust black boxes going forward because they might have a hidden agenda just like humans do. And so the only way that you can trust is Either you should have a really distributed uh, system, kind of like peer review, where you trust peer reviewers because you don't even know who is doing the reviewing, right? They get assigned anonymously. Um, or it has to be open source. And with software, it's much easier to open up the source to public audit as well. I mean, you can't get rid of bias of the human being, um, unfortunately, as much as I would want a magic pill for that, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. The bias is what makes us make decisions and all of that, whether we like it or not. Um, what we could do is, I'm sure, since you have a group of people, which that's good in general, you might have... Um, this actually what makes me want to go deeper to the criteria filtering because, you know, Facebook have their so-called fact checkers and their and and when I saw their group of fact checker people, they favor more of one side um politically and knowing those kind of activists I call them whacktivists because they're whack jobs a lot of them in my opinion they have a certain political leaning and to me it's like okay you just you just ruined the purpose of fact checking because I have people who care about the facts. And the truth. Okay, if they have political leanings, fine. You can't get rid of that. And I don't think you could probably alter it to some degree. But, you know, you can't get rid of bias. Maybe you have someone who could counter that bias in the group. You know, someone who's left-leaning, left-leaning, right-leaning, for example. Look at the same source and they call their own conclusion. Someone who's probably in the middle, maybe a centrist. Or someone has a very um, objective mind. Um, which is ironically saying that because we still got biases. Um, you'll probably look through the thing, you probably look through the article saying, okay, there's a blind spot here for the left winger to this, a blind spot for the right winger in, in this, um, this point. So, I mean, how do you pick, um, people who could filter it with the smallest amount of biases creeping into the other web? That's my question. I think the primary thing we have to do is reframe the question a little bit. So if you okay. frame the question as fact versus fiction or truth versus falsity, you actually get yourself into a very hard, almost unsolvable problem from time to time. Um, first of all, because biases are hard to shake off. Second of all, because not all the facts are known. It could be that some facts will come out in the future, etc. And so what science did with peer review is they are not trying to fact check, right? If you say I had the experiment, I started it with 17 mice, 13 survived, etc. The peer reviewer does not drive to your lab and check if the mice are there and count them to make sure you didn't lie, right? 
what the peer reviewer does generally is he focuses or she focuses on form instead of the substance of your claims, right? Did you structure the experiment correctly? Are you actually describing all the data necessary to be able to tell whether or not your conclusion is supported by the facts, right? Is your abstract and your body and your headline, do they all match, right? So it focuses primarily on form-based questions. And I think we can do the same thing. So if you tell me that your dog has seven legs, right? I'm not going to break into your house and try to examine your dog. I'm just going to say, okay, show me a picture. Show me two eyewitness accounts from people who aren't related to you, right? Give me a, a substantial amount of evidence that kind of matches the severity of the claim, right? And then I will trust you. And if occasionally you will still be able to get away with a lie that way, it's okay. We can tolerate a certain number of falsities in the information ecosystem. What I've seen with regards to research studies is right now about 14% of them are just completely fabricated and false. But 14% is pretty good, right? In the news ecosystem, we are way north of 90% at this point, right? And so let's get to 14% and then think whether we can maybe using AI get to an even better number in the future. That's that's good. I'll take the 14% fabrication rather than the 90 to 1k. If I want to be dramatic, 100% fabrication, you know, we were, you know, so I, I will take that over, you know, the 90 to 10. To me, that's a drastic um, increase. That's way better. I mean, you, you compare that's a night and day kind of difference right there. So I will take that. I mean, nothing's going to be perfect, but we can just keep polishing and learning from it. So. Like I said, I'm still very interested of the web. Regardless, um, my interest has not shaken off on that. If anything, it has actually even increased, you know, because I definitely need something that's going to um, help me, especially do better research and not fall for certain traps that, you know, we humans tend to fall for. Uh, especially click, well, not the clickbait stuff, more like um, probably overthinking things or not um, gelling information or uh, processing information very well because we read too much and it's be hard to filter out. Okay, is this is this fact important? Is this sentence very important or this event? Like, I mean, an example that's easy to um, for me to filter is okay. Um, Joe Biden called Peter Ducey a son of a bitch. I could filter out. Okay, that's just okay. That that's just fighting. Okay, I don't really care. That's not gonna impact anything with policy, and you know, that's just that they, they, you know they just had a little spat, a little, a little verbal argument. Okay, great. I could filter that out. That article is irrelevant for my research. This is just trying to generate cl clickbait. This is real like a clickbait example. Okay, Joe buys off the rockers. He went unfiltered, and there you go. He slipped up by. You know, you sit on the mic saying you just love a bitch. Okay, great. I could filter that out. I mean, you know, but certain articles, you know, they be pretty sophisticated about these things. And this is why I'm very interested in people. If you're interested against reducing your chances greatly against junk news, I'm coining that term now. So just fake news, junk news and all that that give other web a chance give that one a chance and i'm definitely going to do that and it's definitely going to help me out i already see potential benefits i'm um, going through um i can't say that for all technological products because some of it they just want to make a quick buck you know um that that's all i could say for that um do i have any other good files besides just um having people doing a peer um Review criteria. So you see, sir, are you already got to some of the thinking how they get to get rid of junk articles that's just there just for you just, just for you to get pissed off and not learn anything. Maybe you become crazier. 
So it's not necessarily just even getting pissed off, right? We each mm-hmm. have our weaknesses, our emotions that might get out of control. And these algorithms are actually really good at figuring out exactly what will trigger us, right? And so for some people, it might be calling somebody a son of a bitch, right? For somebody else, it could be cute animals, right? And then these algorithms just learn over time. And sometimes they learn wrong. Like in my case, I was reading Google News the other day, and it shows me an article from CNN. And the title of the article is Stop What You're Doing and Watch This Elephant Play With Bubble. So clearly it guessed wrong. This is not the kind of thing that triggers me, but I'm sure a lot of people click on it. Otherwise it would not appear on on CNN. I think though, the fact that most of our ecosystem is filled with those things is putting all of us in this mode that Daniel Kahneman would call system one, right? Of quickly reacting to things and figuring out what to do with them. So it almost doesn't leave us the opportunity for critical thinking. So even if we know how to do it, well, most of the time we're in a different mode because we're trying to figure out, is this an elephant blowing bubbles or not? And we might be missing the fact that what we're reading is completely fabricated, right? So I would separate junk from fake news and that fake news at least looks like news, right? Whereas most of the things we look at, they have no news value, right? News is supposed to have three components. It needs to be events that are current and that are being reported accurately, right? Most things that we read on the internet don't fit either of the three. Very few things fit all three. And so first I would just filter out the things that aren't news from the category titled news. Then we can actually all turn on our critical thinking because we don't have to filter out elephants playing bubbles anymore. And we can start focusing on, okay, is this real? Or did somebody go to great lengths to fabricate, right? Let's get rid of the easy stuff, the stuff that is obviously just low quality junk. And then we can focus on, okay, is this foreign propaganda, for example, right? Because foreign propaganda is pretty hard to detect. You need to do a lot of homework. I don't think we can do it if we're constantly in this mode of, well, did Trump just die? Did Biden call somebody a son of a bitch? Or is this an elephant playing bubbles? We have to completely eliminate this from the ecosystem before we start getting into is this an intentional propaganda insertion into our ecosystem right i mean that, that's a fair point yep scale right i think once we get rid of the obvious junk and then we look we deal with the more sophisticated junk so it, i agree with that that's a rational approach to me if i were to start some big massive like that i'll get rid of what's easy and they work on the more difficult complicated sophisticated kind of junk articles information what have you so all right no that's a very very fair point and normally i don't do something a little random but um i'm gonna give it a shot here and if my listeners don't like it feel free to get angry (laughs) this is probably gonna be pretty reactionary you know um especially this is something totally random and we talked a little bit about this in the beginning um you know the you know some early programmers with were women and you know i'm not gonna say they're probably the first they probably are i i gotta do deep research on that so i'm speculating here but my thing is why does the media mention this you want to know why i have theories here not conclusive answer it's because they want you to keep feeling that you're oppressed especially for women now you don't have um opportunities I mean, there are women that's doing very well. There's more female CEOs, and you know, I applaud that. And I do, you know, you know, I don't want to go back to the days that oh, okay, men have permission to do so much, 
But, you know, women can only do so little but just raise kids and clean the house. I mean, we never going back to those days unless you go to a foreign country that has that mindset and take over a superpower. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But, you know, there were women that were programmers. And, you know, and this the reason why I'm mentioning this is because, you know, some women say, oh, if I'm oppressed, um, you know, I don't have any opportunities. I said, no, there are, there are more female CEOs than ever. There are more women becoming breadwinners. There's, there's women definitely excelling academically. So, yeah, I'm not oppressed. Um, as a gender, women are doing better than ever, especially in America. And, you know, if you want to get to programming women, you should do so. There is an historical precedent. And that could be a tease for my next episode, Get Deeper to Female Programmers. Thank you for that idea. That came from reading, what's what's this called? Authority Magazine. There you go, quoting the source right there. It's a spike that just does that. Yeah, you see that, that? That's why it's so good to read other things. You get another idea. You get an aha moment. So how you see this thing going in the next one to five years using AI? You already say programmer jobs are are, are decimated. <laughs> so that's alarming news for programmers. Yeah. And they so also I say- think, in, yeah, in general, I think that people actually kind of misdiagnose with their prediction which jobs are at risk and which jobs are safe. Um, I would actually say at this point, you it's really difficult to build a robot that can consistently open doors, right? Finding the doorknob is a really hard task. So I would say physical tasks are actually kind of safe, at least for a while, because those are really hard problems to solve. Uh, On the other hand, anything that you can be taught to do that is, let's say, mildly intellectual, but not super complex, is pretty easy to automate. And specifically with programming, we saw this last year, where, again, on the basis of GPT, there was a model created that can create programming code essentially on command. You tell it, write me a piece of software that draws circles in random places on the screen. It will do that right away. So I think the stat I saw somewhere is that essentially 37% of all the programmer tasks have already been solved um, using AI. And so this would eliminate starting from the low end of programming, going all the way up. You can think of the same thing happening with some, let's say, diagnosticians and medicine. Probably diagnostics is better done by AI than by humans. You can see this happening with a lot of legal work, like contracts. They are pretty routine. You can teach people to do them. Therefore, you can teach AI to do them. So I think all of these professions, it's not that they will be eliminated. It's that only the top of the profession that needs to synthesize a lot of different complex things together might stay. So with programmers, if you're a system programmer, you have to maintain really complex relationships between robots and software and self-learning modules and inputs from some other place. Okay, maybe you you will still have a job 10 years from now. But that's kind of my prediction that all of these professions, we will see less and less of them. We might have new professions come up because of this new world opening a variety of possibilities to us, right? But my daughters are three and nine months, right? and so. Like if they ask me for advice in a few years, what should I learn? What should I be when I grow up? Programmer is probably not going to be my answer, even though I studied computer sciences, because I think by the time they're 18, um, it's probably not going to be worth learning. Uh, absolutely right. Um, I The one I predict that is in danger is on um, fast food workers. That's one I, I predict, uh, <laughs> but it's probably slightly, it's probably more of a stretch because this is more not just AI, it's also machinery taking over cooking and all that as well. 
And and that's primarily robotics, right? But, right. That's primarily, yeah, that's, that's been stretch. But I'm sure they got the AI that programmed the robots <laughs> to cooking, whatever. I'm sure, you know, and that's more like robotic automation. But I think they're going to, I'm sure they're going to go, I think they're already going hand in hand. You know, correct me on that. Um, yeah, but I think that they're already going hand in hand. Have AI probably programmed the robot. Okay, cook me a, a filet mignon or an hors d'oeuvres. I'm, I'm using fancy examples or French fries and, Hamburgers, they go. That's a less uh, fancy example. I mean, there's already, yeah, I think there's already very few restaurants in America right now that are completely robotic automation already. And no, th that development has been going on for a while, right? I, I right. think I saw the first company that created essentially a burger cooker um, that started eight or nine years ago. So it's already getting pretty advanced to where some restaurants can use it. But you have to also consider that. In that case, it's fairly expensive robots replacing fairly cheap labor. Right? And so just economically, the incentive to make that transition quickly is pretty low. Whereas potentially you can have software that is almost free. It has no marginal cost, right? The cost of goods sold is zero, right? Replacing lawyers who are really expensive, that there is a much stronger incentive there even if you, you're not going to replace, let's say, trial lawyers, you're only going to replace contract work or paralegal work, right? But there's a much stronger incentive there. So that transition might happen much more abruptly. Um, but again, it's something that we just have to stay cognizant of. It will probably not affect our choices in life very much just based on age. But when it comes to kids or when it comes to education, um, I agree with you what we started from, which is that the education system is kind of outdated in that it teaches a lot of things that humans will not need to note. And it is actually pretty bad at teaching the things that we should be focusing on, like creativity, like quality communication with other humans. I don't know about you, but I've done many, many years of schooling and I've had zero communication classes as far as I remember. I think I had one negotiation class in my MBA. Right. So that's the closest thing I had to a communication. But I think it should have been the other way around. Maybe I didn't need five hours of math or arithmetic every single year for the 18 years of schooling or so I've done. Maybe I could have used two or three hours of math and two or three hours of communication. No, I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, definitely human communication should be, uh, if they're going to update these um, curriculums, um, they definitely to do all that because communication is very important. I mean, even if you're going to be siloed, you're going to have to talk to someone eventually. So <laughs> I do agree with you. We need a lot more human com communication. I mean, we need oof, way. I mean, me, when I was in um, school, I mean, it was only like one semester of communication, which that's to me, that's criminally low. You know, so just learning about what, how to write better or solving math or, I mean, I love history. Don't get me wrong. I consider so more of a history buff, but communicating with um, other people. I mean, quality communication, negotiating, conflict resolution. Those are skills that um, I believe should be way more important. But I think the business industry on people already caught up with that. Academia, not so much. Depends on the industry. Corporate businesses, they already um on key in sales. Um, they're they're already clean, keenly aware of this, but not all industries. Te teaching, for example, like academia environments, they are very behind and they need to catch up quickly. The longer they wait, the more detrimental the effects gonna be.
Let me give you another example of something that I think our school system should be covering, but I got exactly zero hours of instruction on it at every single level that they went to. Ethics. Like you mentioned that if AI is able to do a lot of dangerous things, we should teach it good ethics. And probably we, as the guy supervising it, should also have a concept of what it is to do something good versus what it is to do something bad. Which school in the US teaches ethics at this point, right? What, at what point do kids actually figure out how to evaluate what it means for an action to be good? It seems like at this point, the only way you learn it is you buy a lot of books that were either written by or about that Greek philosophers, right? But we should be covering those Greek philosophers, I think, pretty early on, and we're not. So that would be one other thing that I would definitely think we should add that. We should add polemics. We should add logical thinking. And there's a lot of things that we could be learning that are very useful to humans. And there are a lot of things like regurgitating material you heard yesterday for the exam that we probably shouldn't be doing because you can do it with the press of the of a button. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure back then I'm going to have to talk to my mother and grandmother, at least indirectly incorporate ethics into character building somewhere. I mean, this is like, ironically, I'm going to like H in America school material to bring, you know, character development, um, used to be called to some schools. Um, I'm sure education is going to correct me on this, but I don't care, but we should incorporate, uh, ethics, moral. And even if I dare say so myself, you already mentioned Greek philosophy, philosophy, philosophies would be uh, a great thing to um, incorporate more. I mean, there, there's great courses on philosophy, but definitely not on ethics. Ethics needs to be, um, incorporated incorporated um yeah i'll say as early as possible the earlier the better uh, incorporate that to um pre-k if it's even possible i'll be open to that and, you know and, and and definitely include refreshers because <laughs> you know there's you know such refreshers you know for um each grade level that, that might sound a bit um excessive i don't care but um the our ethics standards as a nation, I could easily criticize America, no problem. It has really declined. It, it really has declined. And you can't tell me otherwise. You can't tell me otherwise. I mean, yeah, there's some good things that's going on, but there's some areas where ethics and morality has declined um, greatly. So I totally agree with you on that. Um, you have to read books. You have to discover that for yourself outside of any learning environment. And that's shameful. And even financial tips, even, you know, great financial tips. That's another thing I will incorporate more of um, as well, because me, I had to learn finances after getting out of school. I had some idea, thanks to my mother teaching me the basics. I was very curious about that at age seven, how to save. And at age 13, I was curious about how bills were paid. But, you know, most kids don't give a damn about that. So... You know, I think that needs to be incorporated um, into schools as well, um, how to uh, manage your finances and budget. Yeah, I think when I was five, I told my parents I wanted a bicycle for my birthday, and they made me calculate whether or not we can afford the bicycle. But and again, I, I was born in a much poorer country, so that was actually a, a, an exercise parents could honestly go through with their kids. Right? I think with most American kids, they can afford just about anything, so you kind of have to fudge the numbers a little bit to make that exercise. Right, yeah, there's there's definitely the resource and the cultural variability to that. Um, 
when I read it, when I read the article, I just want to confirm something just real quick. You, you was born in Soviet Union, right? Well, it was called Soviet Union, Russia, right? Yep. Today, yep. Russia. Well, yeah, not so, not 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 Russia, a different part of the Soviet Union, but yes. Oh, the, oh, okay, yeah, right, because it's yeah, 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 I keep forgetting that sometimes. It's it's a combination of so many um countries. Um, is it was it more on the? Let me let me double check. Yeah, feel free. This is about you here. Uh, let's see. Is it more at the Ukraine region? So um, slightly, well, close to the border of Ukraine, but from the Moldovan side. So there is oh, a, a small okay. region there called Transnistria, which when Moldova declared independence from the Soviet Union, Transnistria declared independence from Moldova, but nobody recognized it. Uh, so when that entire process was just beginning to brew, my parents decided to leave. And so we missed the war by just a few months. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a region of the world where everything is complicated because of that 73 year history that the Soviet Union created where all those ethnic strifes were not allowed to manifest themselves. And so they were all brewing under the surface. And you're seeing that right now come up in all sorts of way in a lot of different places. Yeah, you see, um, unlike some hosts, I don't mind to be correct, especially when it's about other people's information. Because, you know, since as Americans, I have the habit sometimes. So, yeah, I know that Ukraine, Paul, even Poland, some degree was corporate to Soviet Union, um, but you know I don't get all I don't get all the details straight, unfortunately, um, and that's something I gotta look deeper um, into, like the like full blown history of the formation of the Soviet Union. I, I probably know that the Russia, the Ukraine area, and obviously, sadly, the war made me more aware of that. Um, but you know, yep, the that yeah, those little regions that it's not recognized, unfortunately. Because you know, just like Taiwan, you know, they don't recognize them either. There, but but you know, but that conflicts. But there's obviously difference between those two nations, those two um nations. Um, you know, and you know, ge geopolitics is very complicated on business. I think that's something that I think humans can still study. Geopolitics extremely complicated. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm sure AI is going to catch up, but I'm going to enjoy the time that you know. For the time being, I don't think AI is yeah, it's a great tool for basic political facts, historical facts, and and geography and stuff. But there's just some things that, um, you know, that AI is not up to par just yet. And let me emphasize that word yet, because this update. I mean, we evolve in some ways, and AI and the way AI is evolving is way faster than humanity with. Analysis, data, and even um commands and functions. So I say yet. Let's emphasize the word yet. <laughs> I would say given our track record with geopolitics, it could be that if AI actually figures this thing out, the first thing it does is make sure humans are no longer in control because we suck at it. Yeah. It's yeah, sadly I will have to agree with that. I have no counter argument against that at all. Yeah, they they're gonna want to yeah, they'll definitely I mean a few a few of the AIs just say they want to take over already, so you know. <laughs> Again, you know that's because they read stuff written by humans and they learned from what they read, right? That's kind of the concern, right? If you're training AI on the entire internet, you can't even tell it, well, this is sat satire, don't take it seriously, right? It just reads and it thinks everything is serious to some degree. So you have to be careful with that approach as well. But yeah, when it comes to geopolitics, it has always been complicated. Um, I don't think we're getting better at it on a global scale. We are maybe locally within some regions of the world, but then those regions can't figure out all the guys who haven't transitioned yet, essentially. And so that's what we're seeing play out live in some parts of the world.
unfortunately. Yeah, no, I mean, even yeah, it's true to say, you know, we humans even suck at this so, political business. I mean, we would have been peace, it would be a lot more cooperation, it would have been, you know, I don't know, we probably would have think of probably invaders from other planets. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, we're shooting them down right now, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it's more like a reaction kind of thing. Pew, 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 pew. I mean, it's proof that America is a trigger-happy um, country right now as we speak. Shooting all kinds of foreign objects. Ever since that so-called the, the, the Chinese spy balloon came, um, you know, the, you know that, that's what news is saying. You know, that America became very trigger-happy again because it, we, we, we're in a, super vig- we in a hyper-vigilant state, especially the military. Um, so, yep, I mean... Um, before I wrap this up, say anything else that you think my listeners, my listeners should take away. Anything. I think primarily, I think we should all start paying close attention to what we're putting into our brains, right? We've had for 50 or 60 years now some awareness that not everything is equal with regards to what we put in our mouth, right? That some things are healthy, some things are not. Some things are okay in moderation, but not, not if they make up the entirety of our diet. I think we should start thinking in the same way about what we put in our brain. Some things are healthy. Some things are really bad. Some things are okay if you do them for 15, hour, for 15 minutes a day, but not if you do them for multiple hours. There is a crazy study that I saw. It's actually pretty old now. It's from 2014, I think, where after the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, they compared people who watched six hours of coverage to people who were in the actual bombing and witnessed it. And the people who watched six hours of news about the bombing were more likely to have PTSD. And so that's just one example where news is probably good for you, but not if you're consuming too much of it. And even within the news, now make closer distinctions into which kind of news do I want to consume more of, which kind do I want to consume less of. I know this is a somewhat political podcast, but still I would say that most of our political news is not news. It's somebody demands an apology from somebody from saying something about a poll that was three days ago. Like none of this is news. We have serious political events maybe once every couple of years. Everything that fills out the middle is a time waster. So I think we should all just start thinking about what we want to put in our mouth and what tools we want to use to be able to select that more carefully. And whether people use the tool that I happen to be working on or they use something else, all of it is good as long as we are more mindful of it. Not very well. I do try to educate my listeners. Listen, don't try to consume too much news because it's it's definitely going to damage you. And it was starting to happen to me. And I was starting to become a bit um, crazy and started becoming... I don't know, more like a nut job, if you know, especially when I was overreacting to some conversation. It's like, what? What are you talking about? That didn't happen. And I was, you know, I was acting as if I live the event, even though I just consumed it, you know, just, just watching, you know, sitting in the couch, just watching the, the TV. You know, that's become more of an obsolete example because <laughs> we just you have the laptop and the smartphone here. Um, you know, I was actually watching a lot of it through my smartphone and, and in TV, consuming so much news. You know, you become kind of a, you become um, yeah, you become so traumatized because you just consume it without restricting it, and that's why for me, I put this personal limit. I'm not supposed to go work for everybody. Me after five to fifteen minutes, that's it. That's it. 
that's that that's why I do. I mean, moderation is definitely needed. I agree with you um, on that. And you know, even though this is a political podcast, I me, mean, I do my best to find articles that are more has more impact, more substance than just you know Joe Biden calling Peter Ducey a son of a bitch or Trump calling um NFL players you know spoiled you know spoiled sons of bitches. You know that that that's not important. I mean, it's entertaining for some, but you know. You know that that's uh, that's that's a time waster, and you know I don't I definitely don't talk about celebrities as much because a lot of that news is definitely time wasted. So that's their problem. It's not going to help me if I learn about their problem, okay? And that you know that's it. So that's just that's just my um take on it. And you know everything in moderation is good, and just be mindful about. It. So I definitely agree. And check out the other web. I will definitely put the link in the description of the episode. Bobby B. Yeah. Not probably. It's going to be in the middle because this is a second segment. It's going to be in the middle. So it's not going to be all the way to the top. It's not going to be all the way to the bottom of the script. It's going to be right at the middle since this is a mid-game kind of conversation. So even though this is kind of countering my podcast because my podcast is pretty political and I tend to cover stuff that is most of the time pretty substantial uh pretty substantial um so she thinks that could have an impact um so just you know reactionary garbage that uh we have you know that, that we consume a lot most of us so just check it out people just really give it a shot the link is gonna be in the description and that's all i have to say anything else you want to add before i really end this no, i think we're good thank you so much for having me Welcome to the third and final segment called Weird Topic Finale. And unfortunately, the topics I got here are not that weird. Um, yeah, we got two items here. We have poll, and this poll has been around since 2019. And the reason why I'm putting this is because it still applies today. And of course, you want to add the these these um things these these are pandemic um factors if you will they leave their job to get away from the manager and i agree because i almost did that projects are engaging your co-workers are great but relationship always leaves you longing for 5 p.m you know it's a common adage and i'm going to quote from the cnbc.com people leave managers not companies well that's true if you transfer to a different location but leaving that current manager. But if you leave the manager, if you leave your job, you're normally leaving the company. Normally. All right, a Gallup study, and this is, I like Gallup. Gallup, I think it's good. More than 7,000 U.S. adults, 5,000 percent of people leave a job and get away from their manager or to improve their overall life at some point in career. And the same study also finds that most workers, managers fall somewhat short when it comes to developing employee strengths to provide consistent feedback and establishing clear performance goals. But workers often deal with their toxic behaviors for boss have more than three issues. What happens? It says they're running to the job sites immediately. So management behaviors provoke the ire of employees most. And I'm going to look this up here. All right. So for men, I'm going to list it in a particular order. And all of them scored high percentages. So in number 10, canceling a five minute meeting before starting. Uh, well, I'll be that 25%. I actually like it. Poor hygiene. 
I want to be a reason why I leave, but 76%. And this is towards men that do this, by the way. Starting with men first. I'm, I'm breaking the rule of ladies first here, I know. Sue me. Tardiness. Well, this one will annoy me if it's happening a lot. Chronically. 77%. Taking credit for other employees' work. Well, God gives me credit, so it doesn't piss me off as much. Mentioning poor performance to co-workers. Uh, it will irk me. And using company expense accounts for personal items. Yeah, that would annoy me. Using drugs or alcohol at work. 80%. Oh, that's bad. Making romantic advances towards employees. Oh, that's bad. I would have put that up there. Making formal threats to fire workers. Well, I encountered that personally. I'll definitely put that there. Playing favorites. I encountered that personally as 8 and that's 82%. The first two up there is 82%. Say so 5% say canceling the minute. I, I, I like when it cancel last minute. Now, for women, things are a bit different. And for some reason, they're rated higher. Just a little higher. Lowest score a man got was 75. And then only climbed up to 82%. With women, the lowest percentage they got was 79% for tardiness. And at that top was playing favorites, 92%, compared to men with 82%. So, for women, was 9th, 80%, poor hygiene. That was a lot of women that stink. There's very few I've encountered that stink, but damn. Like I said, tardiness, I don't care what gender you are, I would have marked that. Can't see a meeting before five minutes. Ooh, yeah, y'all are a little sexist. Y'all penalize a little bit more. I would penalize both. <laughs> Using drugs, alcohol, I work 82%. Damn. Make romantic advances towards boys. Oh, yeah, I would have been pissed about you to 82%. Bet you performance workers. Oh, based on my, well, I worked. That's funny. Based on my life, I have more female supervisors than male supervisors. And to me, women can either be great or, mis or very crappy bosses, just like men. That's just my opinion. And also, people beg to the differ. They say men are great, women suck. That's all know me here. I was like, eh. No offense, a few male leadership I got was not that great. I'm sure, there's some that are great, but I personally haven't worked for those guys. So, making formal threats of firework is 84%. Taking credit for all the all employees' work, 85%. Damn. And using company expense account for personal items, 85%. So, playing favorites tie for number one, but women got more penalized for it. Using company expenses, only 79% men, 85% women. That's that's kind of a, that's a gap right there. Taking credit for other people's work. 77 to men, 85 to women. Making formal threats to fire, 84, 82. Okay, so they almost tied on that one. It's a human thing. Entry performance workers, women do that 84% to 78. Making romantic advances, 82 women, 81 men, while almost equal there. Using drugs, alcohol, work, 82 women, 80 men. Canceling me five minutes before, 81% women, and 75% men. So it's a bit of a gap there. Core hygiene, 80% women, 76% men. Also, Guys are generally cleaner. That's what I'm supposed to take away from this. Tardiness, 79%, 77 I'm trying to find where men did a little worse than women. So, across the board, women are worse bosses. That's what the survey said. This was done in 2019. This is a little pre-pandemic. Who knows how much has changed? You know, this is like schoolyard bullying all over again. Yeah. 
just you know all this me too movement i'm surprised pretty surprised and the reason i read this because this is a good article they have a lot of sightings and hopefully this changes and when we do these surveys i want to see if i want to be realistic average six 60 70 percent see some sort of progress set of instead of 90 to 75 percent that's that's bad you know, and we gotta take to the fact that he's a workers rating here you know people that's under the boss as new generation pressure start thinking about their salary at post-graduation women are more likely to receive a, a low ball they're gonna make six thousand social dollars less than a man and this is within this generation that's what they are expecting that's what they're perceiving but they say expect and they say it's happening and one of them is declaring it as a fact i mean can it happen yeah and it's still an issue today women has been paid less than men back then women made 67 cents every dollar man made according to the latest u.s census bureau data women make about 83 dollars every dollar a man makes hey oh oof, let me no a woman makes average 83 cents to every dollar man makes but that's been that progress towards shrinking pay gap has stalled in the last 15 years oh what is that exactly Oh, the economic crash. When the economic crash happened, and then on average, mothers make 58 cents every dollar dad makes. And it's that's even worse among white, black, um, Native American, and Latina mobs to compare to their dads. Um, the thing I see here is that, which I'm happy that this is happening, is there more STEM programs for women? Because, you know, jobs, they push your women towards become more scientists and they get paid good money. Econo you know, economic analysis, they make good money. You know, uh, sadly, women do pick pick up careers that are easy to get into because they support the family ASAP. I'm not bashing women here. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of women that have to struggle with this. And I was going to use a both for example. But you pick a career that's only male-dominated, like a lot of science for example okay more women are getting there and you know become a ceo as well that's the way we could all bridge this gap i mean that's been happening to more women ceos are rising and that's good and there are places that have um and the, the legal side there are states that have in cities that have passed legislation to make salary transparent a requirement these states include well one of them shift purple recently you figure out which one california colorado connecticut maryland nevada rhode island washington state and new york city not new york as a state new york city and they're dealing with dei that's diversion equity inclusion and some of them even rei rate race equity and inclusion or racial equity inclusion whatever you want to call it this is what they do this is what they're doing and they try to really make the place more equitable is it going to work i don't know i have my doubts okay because i believe these processes will be gaslighted to that all oh, things are gonna get better gonna get better but the leadership needs to do some changes i mean don't get me wrong workers need to be productive they really need to be productive they can't just you know come in there every day expect no work and get a free paycheck they have to be productive they have to be responsible communicate and so does the leadership and i think with salary transparency and i support that thousand percent it's the way to go and 
they're gonna stop with that bull crap. Okay, I'm gonna pay this uh, person eighty thousand, and person B gets paid only seventy thousand for the same exact position. I mean, I was I was against that. I was against that, and you know, this is how corporations got a way of chipping off and underpaying some workers without even trying to do it by law. Well, they can't exactly do that now. That's a super creative or shaft. So, are we gonna sum up? The reason why people leave, I still believe this is very relevant. And just because this was, this was done freaking four years ago doesn't mean it's irrelevant. I think, I still think it's very relevant. Re quote, quote, you know, return to work normalcy has um, returned. It's never gonna be fully normal. Okay, things have shifted and some, and some changes gonna be permanent. Some changes are permanent not going to be they are permanent there's always those that's going to play favorites there's those who's always going to make informal threats and sadly there are those who make romantic advances those who use drugs and alcohol and there's those who use company expense for personal things and they're going to mention poor force other co-workers oh this guy named david he can't even add he's a financial analyst oof that's embarrassing take credit for employees work oh there's a good amount of mess to do that and i have a personal account with it but if i get the green light to speak about it i'm gonna speak about it i strike when iron is hot tardiness well people still gonna be late so people are irresponsible more responsible than anything because some people take advantage of the crisis not all but there's some people that do aspect cancellations i disagree i like those i wish it would be canceler yeah but that's not about i would not leave the job over that those 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 workers no offense are pretty petty people no things do happen you know unless the boss is a complete asshole then i will agree with the worker well that's what they are saying but sometimes it's perceived doesn't mean it's reality you know and in general the women of the, of this generation the so-called gen z the ai not even ai yeah the ai generation these are people that still expect lower pay than their male counterparts well some things are being done about it are they gonna work no like salary transparency and d d i r e i kind of intervention that they do organizational wide are they gonna help I don't think so. I could be wrong. I don't have a strong opinion of this so far, but I but or I could say for sure is demonizing white people is not the way to go about it. Demonizing any race as a, as a matter of fact is not the way to go about it. It should be more a complaint. For example, if you if you see white privilege, make sure that story really connects to white privilege it has to be clear and seamless don't cover all these blurs and ambiguous terms because you're gonna lose people i mean personally you know i don't i will throw that term if it really fits and i only see two examples of that there are plenty of white people that are not privileged there's only two or three i've known and seen in my lifetime now i would say they're privileged they're so incompetent and yet they, they get to become assistant directors and even i would even throw latin privilege black privilege yes i will do that asian privilege i will do that because really it is a privilege of the person and that's playing favorites because they like the person not because they get the job done that's what it really boils down to in my opinion you want to disagree leave a comment comment share like that's all share this and we you know share you through your facebook or even outside the facebook or twitter and i'm gonna be doing more videos for season five that'll be during september 2023 and it's gonna be structured very differently it's gonna be more video more engagement and i'm gonna do it through rumble because i'm not dealing with youtube's bullshit all right with that out the way this is the end have a blessed day or night